0: Well, good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to you all to our harvest service celebration, whether you're watching online at home or gathered here in the building. It's great to see you, and it's great to be together as we gather this morning to celebrate God's goodness to us at this harvest time. Well, as we come to the Lord now in prayer, I just want to read to you the the first verse of that last song again as as a reminder of the unchanging nature and character of the God we come before now in prayer. This is what we've just sung Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Let's pray with that in mind, shall we? Father in heaven, we thank you again for your great faithfulness. Your unending love and for your compassions that never fail. And we praise you, Lord, that in a world that is forever changing, you are the same yesterday, today and forever. And we thank you for the confidence that gives us now, Lord, as we come before your throne of grace in prayer. As we do, Lord, we give you thanks for your kind provision. We thank you for the food that you give us this very day to nourish our bodies and to sustain our lives. At the same time, we pray for all those across the world who will go to bed hungry this evening. Lord, please provide for them and please help those who have much know what it looks like to share with those who have little. And Father, as we think about the great physical need across this world, we pray too for the great spiritual need. We thank you for the picture Jesus uses of the harvest in Matthew's Gospel when he reminds us that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Father, how we pray that you would raise up and send out workers into your harvest field, people who love the Lord Jesus and are willing and ready to speak of their Savior. And we pray, Lord, for us as a church here, that you would equip us to be those workers in this little corner of your harvest field. And as we come to your word now, Lord, we pray that you would warm our hearts, that we might be ready to receive all that you have to teach us. All these things we pray for the good of your church and the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Caroline Lilly is going to come and read to us now from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Then we're going to watch a short video before Neil comes to speak to us. Thanks, Caroline.
1: I'm reading from the Old Testament uh, that's the first part of the Bible uh, 1 Chronicles 29 verses 1 to 20 and I'm reading from my phone as you can see so the words I read may be slightly different from on the screen Then King David said to the whole assembly My son Solomon the one whom God has chosen is young and inexperienced the task is great because this palatial structure is not for man but for the Lord God. With all my resources I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colours, and all kinds of fine stone and marble all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings. For the gold work, and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work of the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 daricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Geshenite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David, the king, also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands is our strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple in your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever, and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes and decrees and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and their king.
2: morning, everybody. Let's pray as we come to to God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that everything comes from you, and everything belongs to you. This is your world. And we pray that you'd help us now as we look at your word together to appreciate all the many blessings you've given us and fill our hearts with gratitude, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we think of some of the the lessons that this current crisis is is teaching us, one of the biggest is probably that of gratitude. Uh, Because it's often only when we lose something that we fully appreciate what we had. As a church, we've lost the joy of of coming together as a large church family of all ages, because many are having to self-isolate. We've lost the joy of expressing our affection for one another with, with hugs and kisses. We've lost the joy of expressing our love for God in sung worship. We've lost the joy of catching up with one another after a service. All things which we probably took for granted and never really thanked God for. Harvest is about Thanksgiving, in particular Thanksgiving for our food. So often we we take our food for granted. And Living in an area like this where um, we often find ourselves stuck behind a tractor... We don't need much reminding that much of our food comes from the fields around us and is dependent on the weather that God provides. One thing that hasn't changed probably much for people during lockdown is food. Um, Other than the way of buying it, for many it's maybe increased as they've uh, taken food for, for comfort. For others who are struggling financially, it's meant the use of Food banks, hence the reason why we're giving today towards the work of the tame food bank. Most people have become more thankful for what they have. The question is to whom are they thankful? It was pretty clear in the video we just watched that uh, this family that gathered in a way which we would all love to do, sometimes seen, was grateful to God for the food they were able to enjoy. The hymn that we're going to be closing our service with later is a, a great Christian classic, a great harvest classic. Come, ye thankful people, come. Written actually just five miles from here, by the rector of Aston Sandford in 1844. No doubt he too saw the fields being harvested, probably with a scythe in those days, rather than a combine harvester. But he was in no doubt to whom we should be thankful, in the words of. Um, that Him, God our maker doth provide for our wants to be supplied. Come to God's own temple, come, raise the song of harvest home. But if you don't believe in God, then to whom should you be thankful? We'll, we'll come back to that question. But as Christians, we know we should be thankful to God and uh, that we have so much to be thankful for. So what does this passage teach us about what it means to be thankful to God? Not just for our food, but for every blessing that he's given us. Before we start, let me just um, explain the context of what is going on in this passage. King David is coming to the end of his life, and is basically putting his house in order, preparing for his successor. Although he himself would have liked to have built a temple for God, God told him actually he had somebody else in mind who was going to build it, his son Solomon. And so David tells the people of this decision and commissions Solomon for his task. He then says how much he's going to give to this project, which prompts all the leaders of Israel to do likewise. And the first eight verses of chapter 29 include all the the various precious metals, the gold, the silver, the bronze, the precious stones, the onyx, the turquoise, that are offered for the construction of the temple. And it finishes in verse 9 with the response of the people. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. But what is going on here? At the human level, there has been huge generosity that people chose to give. It was a willing response, a response of their own wills and their hearts. But what was it? that made them decide to give. Well, David acknowledged that the real person who is responsible is God. The one who's moved the hearts and wills of people in a way which is invisible to humankind but is nevertheless very real. He's pulling back the curtain to allow people to, to peek behind to see what is going on. And so what he does in verse 10 is David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. He's offering up a corporate prayer on their behalf in which he points to God and says it is all of him. It's a prayer of praise and thankfulness which teaches a lot to us about what it means to be a thankful people. The first thing it teaches us is that thankful people recognize that everything comes from God and belongs to God. David starts in verse 10 by addressing God, and in the process reminds everyone who it is to whom they are speaking. He says, praise be to you, Lord, God of our Father, Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And then in verses 11 to 12, he gives the reasons why we should praise God, with a series of descriptions in which uh, he expresses the incomparable greatness of God. Your Lord, is the greatness, and the power, and the glory, and the majesty, and the splendor. How many different words can we think of to describe God's greatness? All of them slightly different, but conveying the fact there is nobody who compares with God. In any of these respects, he is incomparable. Why is that? Well, for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. He carries on wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. As the maker of the universe, as the, the maker of the earth, with all of its resources, as the maker of human beings, with all their attributes, it all belongs to the one who made it all, and he distributes it as he deems fit. As for the lyrics in that video we watched, this is my father's world. And if we don't consider God to be the ruler of all things, to be the source of all wealth and honor, then it means we must consider somebody else or something else to be head over all. And for many people in different parts of the world, that may be their own God they worship, whether it's Allah or Krishna or whoever. They believe that he or she is the all-powerful one. But of course you cannot have more than one all-powerful one because to share power is not to be all-powerful, is not to be exalted over all. And therefore it must be one or the other. There's a difference between our God who who loved us before we loved him and other gods who will only accept people if they meet certain requirements. For others he will be the ruler of their nation. And watching the debate last week between the two contenders for the position of the leader of the most powerful nation on the earth, that's quite a worrying prospect. For most people, they will be themselves. And that may include you this morning. I'm in charge of my own body, my own wealth, my own family, my own home, my own future. Nobody tells me to do what I want to do with my life. I worked hard to get where I am today all of my success is down to me and if I'm not successful then it's probably somebody else's fault and even if you don't articulate that it's, it's easy to get into that way of thinking isn't it without even maybe realizing it certainly what I did for a number of years early in my my banking career before God pulled me up and showed me the only reason I had been doing well because he had made that possible David finishes his prayer In verse 13 with the words, now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. I don't know whether this strikes you as a bit odd, because verse 9 has ended with the fact that people had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. Normally when you give something to, to somebody else, you expect them to thank you. But here in verse 13, David says, Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name if they're the ones giving to God why are they doing the thanking what's going on here well the answer is in verse 14 but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand when Liz and I were at All Souls Church in London, uh, many years ago, the, the then rector, America's, Emeritus John Stott, would receive the offering and use an abbreviated form of the, the Anglican liturgy, which went just like this. Everything comes from you, O Lord. And the whole church would reply, and of your own have we given you. Two short biblical phrases which make the point so powerful in their, their brevity and in their repetition. Everything we have comes from you anyway, so we're not actually giving you something that doesn't belong to you. It's a bit like receiving an inheritance from your parents before they actually die and spending some of that money on them and making sure they're comfortable and have all they need. You wouldn't congratulate yourself on being generous. You wouldn't expect them to thank you because the money came from them in the first place. David is thanking God But they have been so generous because the reason they have been so generous is that God has made that possible. It is he who gave them the wealth in the first place to be able to give back to God and use for his work. We did a building project here a few years ago. Lots of people from outside the church asked, well, where did all that money come from? And we could have just said, well, we've got some very generous members, which was true. But the real answer was we've been tremendously blessed (laughs) by God he is the one who touched people's hearts to give generously recognizing as David Hiddin, in verse 16 here Lord our God all this abundance that we provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you this building belongs to God is used for his glory which leads us on to our next point thankful people are generous and joyful givers Verse 17, David says, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent. and Now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. There are lots of ways of giving, aren't there? Lots of different ways that we can give out of a sense of duty, out of a sense of, of guilt. We can give reluctantly. But there are four ways used to describe the giving of the people in these verses and back in verse nine. Freely, wholeheartedly, joyfully, willingly. And we know that ourselves a difference between someone giving something freely, wholeheartedly, joyfully, willingly, and someone just giving us something without any thought at all. If you're a parent and your child has taken the time to to make a car, to think of something that you would really like for your birthday. It's different from when they've just added their name to something which has been bought for them. David is saying here to God, I know that the most important thing to you is a sincere heart. You're not interested in deceit or false motives or reluctant giving. You want people to give generously and joyfully from their hearts. Paul, in the letter to the Corinthians in the New Testament, said the the same thing about the church in, in Macedonia. He said this, in the midst of a very severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. What an amazing description of people who long to give, who plead to give, even when they're in abject poverty. The question is, what changes someone from being a dutiful giver to a generous and joyful giver? And sure, the answer is love. Maybe we see someone in need and we, we just have a loving concern for them and we want to help them. Maybe it's the privilege of being able to, to make a difference. The church of Macedonia pleaded with God for the privilege of being able to make a difference. A few years ago, a group of us went to uh, um, Ethiopia to visit a compassion project where a lot of us from the church sponsor some children. And just seeing the difference we had made to their lives um, and how grateful they were just filled us with a a tremendous joy. Um, It was a privilege to be able to, to give and support them. When someone's been kind to us, we want to express our gratitude. And the greatest act of kindness that anyone has done for us is Jesus Christ, giving up his life for us on the cross. As we read in 2 Corinthians, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, for though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus gave up the riches of heaven, he gave up the the worship of the angels and all the heavenly beings, and became poor, so we might become rich. His becoming poor meant taking on himself our sins, our filth, so that we could become rich. Not rich in material things, but rich spiritually in terms of having the most important thing that we can have a relationship with God himself as a result of being forgiven. When we have such spiritual wealth, then we won't need to hang on to our material wealth We will want to use it for the benefit of others that they too may share in that spiritual wealth that we have. Our generosity will come from thankfulness for the riches that we have in Jesus, thankfulness for our salvation. That generosity is not just uh, limited to our financial offerings, it's uh, using everything that God has given us, our time, our talents, for his glory. It's wonderful to see teams of people working together joyfully with the aim of glorifying God. Teams that have made this service possible this morning, the technical team, the stewarding team, the worship team. We give God thanks for them. Thankful people are generous and joyful givers. And finally, thankful people are faithful and obedient Having said in verse 17, uh, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. David goes on to say in verse 18, Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. I give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes and decrees and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I've provided. Interestingly enough, whilst the building of the temple and the raising of money to build it is the prompt for this prayer, it's not the focus of it. David's prayer for his people is that they would keep their hearts loyal to God. He recognized that that it's by God's grace that his people have been obedient and loyal. Only he has made that possible. They couldn't do it by their own will. And only he, by his grace, can help them continue to be obedient. We said before that God is all-powerful. He can turn the hearts of sinful people towards him. And that is why David is praying. He's asking on behalf of the people for God's help. Is asking him to do something they cannot do themselves, to continue to be obedient. If during the building of the temple or after the building of the temple, they become disloyal to God, he's no longer the center of their lives, then the temple becomes meaningless. And that is sadly what happened many years later. The Israelites kept disobeying God, merely brought him empty sacrifices, meaningless praise. Their hearts were not loyal. And so God allowed them to be taken into exile and the temple destroyed. We've been greatly blessed with this building, particularly at a time when many churches do not have anywhere to meet because they normally meet in schools or community centers. But more important than this building is the state of our hearts towards God. Passage finishes, verse 20, then... David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed low and fell prostrate before the Lord and the King. And it's that attitude of humble submission to God and trust in him that God most desires. We can do all the right things. What God most wants is a heart of devotion in which we won't feel compelled or duty-bound to be loyal, but do so out of delight for him. That delight comes from a thankful heart. A thankfulness for all God has done for us. And if we find it hard to remember all that God has done, then a great place to go is Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not All his benefits. It's easy for us to forget, isn't it? As human beings, we forget everything very easily. Forget not all his benefits. Keep reminding yourselves of these. What are they? He's the God who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God forgives, heals, redeems... He crowns, he satisfies, he renews. And he does all of that through Jesus Christ. And we've received so many blessings, how can we fail to be thankful? As I said, we're going to finish the service shortly with a hymn, Come Ye Thankful People, Come. It starts by thanking God for our food, but it finishes with a a different harvest, a harvest of souls, when God will gather his people to himself. These are the words of the last verse. Even so, Lord, quickly come. Bring thy final harvest home. Gather thou thy people in. Free from sorrow, free from sin. There forever purified in thy presence to abide. Come with all thine angels, come. Raise the glorious harvest home. What a wonderful thing to be amongst those people when jesus comes again and if you don't yet count yourself among them what is holding you back god has already done that work for you but you do need to receive it need to accept that gift as you trust and submit to him and if you do already belong to god's people look back to where you've come from look forward to where you will be and fill your hearts with thankfulness to god Let's pray. Father God, we do confess that so often we want to take credit for what we have and what we've achieved. And we're slow to give you the thanks, to give you the praise for the many blessings that we enjoy. And so we pray that you would constantly remind us that everything comes from you. Everything belongs to you. We pray that you would constantly remind us of all you have done for us, that you have forgiven us, you've healed us, you've redeemed us, you've crowned us, you've satisfied us, and you've renewed us. We pray that you would make us a thankful people who would want to use all that you've given us, our time, our talents, and our treasures for your glory. Help us to be those who are joyful and generous givers, who are faithful and obedient to you, the one who has promised to come and gather his people in, free from sorrow, free from sin. We long for that day when we will abide with you forevermore and ask that you continue to prepare us for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Well, I hope your hearts are full of genuine joy this morning for all that we have in and through uh, Jesus Christ I want to finish by just reading out again those words the final verse of, of that hymn that Neil dwelt on at the end of uh, the, the preach and may this be our prayer as we leave here as we think about the spiritual harvest we give thanks to God for a physical harvest for all that we have but we pray earnestly for that reaping of a spiritual harvest in people's lives even so Lord quickly come Bring thy final harvest home. Gather thou thy people in, free from sorrow, free from sin. There forever purified in thy presence to abide. Come with all thine angels come, raise the glorious harvest home. Fathers, we pray, or as we prepare even to, to leave here shortly, we do pray that in the coming weeks we would keep that final harvest in view that great and glorious day when Jesus Christ returns to gather up all those who are his like the wheat into the barn and we pray Lord that until that day arrives until that great and glorious day when we are gathered to be with our saviour that we would be glad and willing workers in your harvest field and Father we pray earnestly that through the witness of this church many others would come to taste and see that the Lord is good. All these things we pray for your glory. Amen.